And we are recording episode 85. Hey, you guys, what's going on? It's Ron and Don, episode number 85 of the Ron and Don Show. Thanks for stopping by, checking in with us, and uh, we'd love to check in with you. So best way to do that is maybe join our newsletter. Just go to ronanddon.com and let's make that happen. Uh, Ron and I right now are doing what you're doing, and that's why the show probably sounds a little bit different. Uh, Ron is over in South Lake Union. I am on Queen Anne, and like a lot of you, we're trying to make sure that, number one, that we shelter in place, that we only do essential things through the day, and uh, along the way that uh, we check in with each other and people out there that we, we love and care about. I do have to say this. I do have to say this, and then we're going to get in the show a little bit. Um, I, I have a friend that works for the uh, Seattle Police Department, and you know, you know Eric Ron. In fact, he's Captain Sano, Captain Eric Sano. Uh, and he runs the North Precinct for the SPD. And he ran into a problem that I'm running into right now. And it's one of the reasons why uh, I'm wearing a hat all the time. And a lot of times as you get older, a guy wears a hat because you feel like you're going bald a little bit. But my hairline has been similar for probably the last 20 years or so. But I do have to say, I did what Eric did the other day is I, I took out I, I took out some shears and some clippers, and I decided, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to give myself my own haircut. So I began to cut, began to cut, and began to cut. And next thing you know, uh, side of my head on one side and the side of my head on the other side, uh, I'm trying to match those because they look pretty good on both sides, but they just, they, they don't actually match. Eric went through the same thing, Ron. And what he ended up doing is shaving his whole head bald because he tried cutting his own hair. Cause you can't go to a barber right now. And he looks amazing. He looks absolutely amazing. So I'm saying to myself, you know what? Maybe after the show, I pull out the clippers and uh, we just take it down and we go down and I'm just, you know, at the age of 52, Maybe I'm a bald guy now. What do you think? A bald guy. You know what? I would love it if you did that. I should do it with, uh, with my sideburns. Yeah. Again, one, for whatever reason, I've yeah. never talked about this on the, on the show before. Okay. I have one sideburn yeah. that grows like twice as fast as the other sideburn. Okay. I don't know if I'm a genetic freak or if I got radiation on one side of my head or maybe my <laughs> cell phone over the years. Yeah. And my, but the, the one sideburn grows way faster than the other. So I'm sitting there with my trimmers. And when you look in the mirror, the way that, and this is probably what you're talking about, the way you think you're moving the trimmer is opposite of what is That's happening right. here. That's so, right. That's so, it. Like, when I think, oh, I just got to come up, I got to move it a little bit this way, and then it's like, <laughs> the line's crooked, and then you, yeah. I think what I need to do is get two mirrors yeah. so that you'll have the reflection of the reflection will then be back to being normal. So I, my sideburns are way too tight right now. Yeah. They're up too high. Yeah. They're different lengths. I'm just rolling with it and going to you know, maybe come out looking like the dude at yeah. the end of this whole thing, but it's, uh, I feel your pain, man. Like there's a lot of, I've seen some, uh, some ladies trying to do their own nails for the first time in, <laughs> in like many, many years. Yeah. That's, that's not looking good either. Yeah. You know what? And this week my son had to start schoolology and it's mandatory. 
through the Seattle public school system. And doing schoolology, it really makes you... What, what is schoolology? It's basically school. He's back, he, oh. he, is, he is back to school, uh, and it's mandated uh, through the Seattle public school system. So we're doing that. And if, if you've never tutored your child before, it's tough, because I've been tutoring him with just math and some English this year. But now it's the whole... Now it's everything. Schoolology kind of covers... Uh, everything. Are and you then, wanting to give every teacher a raise now? I tell you <laughs> what, thirty kids in your you know class. What, you know what? Honestly, think about this. You, I, I was reading an article about truck drivers the other day, and there's a gentleman who's been driving a truck thirty five years. My dad drove a truck for forty years, and he said, "I'm, I have people coming up to me and just saying thank you." Uh, and he said, in, "In the course of my career, I have na- never had anyone thank me." And he says, "Dozens of people are thanking me now." If you're a teacher out there, what teachers are beginning to do is they're basically doing what we're doing right now. They're creating Zoom classes, which has to be very difficult for them. How do you teach a class of 30 fourth graders when you're on the other side of a screen? And yet these teachers are doing it. So you have great appreciation for them. And going back to people and, and you know, like cut our hair and take care of us uh, when we look in the mirror because we try to cut our own hair. We end up looking like Santa and this city is going to be full of bald guys walking around real soon, if that doesn't become uh, an essential uh, job. But you have to be careful there because you're, you're, you're definitely within six feet of somebody when you're combing their hair, washing you know their what? hair, cutting their beard, doing That's all that That's our stuff. niche. You and I are going to create the Ron and Don seven-foot scissors. <laughs> we'll, be, we'll make a million dollars. It'll be yeah. a pair of scissors with a very, yeah. very, very long handle and yeah. then like a camera on the end of it so you can get in there and, and a comb. Yeah, Ron and Don, seven foot comb and the seven foot scissors. Yeah, what, what do you appreciate now more than ever? I I know that there's some stores out there that are having a hard time uh, hanging on to good help because the help feels like this is a petri dish for the 19, and so now store clerks and people that are butchers and people that stock shelves and all that, they're talking about giving them hazard pay. Uh, kind of as a result. It's very interesting that the first responders, the people that are on the line that have joined uh, police officers and firefighters and healthcare workers, it's the store clerk. It's the gas station uh, attendant. It is the school teacher. Uh, it is those jobs that we have always taken for granted. And Ron, I think we have a great appreciation for that now, don't we? Oh, absolutely. I was. Uh, I happened to stop through a fast food restaurant because I saw the open sign, mm-hmm. and I went in, and I was just like, "My God!" Like these, it was a, a teenage girl working the, you know, taking my money, and it was like, "Thank, thank God that you're out here working." Because, like, you know, I, I obviously could have come home and, and made some food, but I happened to be by this place. So I was out running some essential errands. Everybody, don't judge me. They were essential errands. I want to get that on the table right now. <laughs> had to go to the yeah. pharmacy. I happened to be hungry. It was essential. Uh, but even in, uh, you and I, when we were delivering those masks, stopped and I got a Dix Deluxe. And the, the Dix Deluxe workers, they were staying six feet apart, uh, not manhandling the fries too much. But like th- those sorts of jobs that are relatively low paying or very low paying. And, you know, interacting with the public every day are, are, are heroic, I think, at this time. Yeah. Well, let's talk about a couple other jobs where I think these people are heroic, too. And also a little bit later on the Ron and Don Show, episode 85, we're going to talk about what they're talking about the White House right now. Should everybody, all of us, be wearing a mask? Because we'll share a story with you about some hospitals that we've been going to. 
and dropping off homemade masks. In fact, we've dropped off over 1,200 of those, of those masks. I was up in Bellingham last night and out in Monroe doing that. We're going to talk about that. And then also a little bit later, there's a lot of people just wondering, what, what can I do? I'm sitting at home. Give me a job. What can I do? Because these weeks could be turned into months. And I want to be a part of something bigger than myself. So we'll talk about that. Ron, let me uh, uh, introduce you to two guys. Captain Brett Kozer, uh, he is the captain on the USS Theodore Roosevelt. If people don't know what the Roosevelt is, there's currently uh, 18 uh, nuclear subs uh, around the world. Uh, nine of those are off the West Coast, and nine of those, uh, their port is on the East Coast. And they will go out sometimes for a year or more uh, at a time. Uh, and these are Trident nuclear subs that will go out that support these aircraft carriers. And I, the USS uh, Theodore Roosevelt is an aircraft carrier. It's a nuclear aircraft carrier. They are in Guam. They're getting ready to leave Guam. And all of a sudden they find out they have three sailors aboard that have the 19. Uh, the captain grows very concerned. Uh, and the next thing you know, now they have 100 sailors as they pull back into Guam that have the 19. Here he is on a nuclear, a nuclear uh, aircraft carrier, and you're in port, and what are you supposed to do? Because Guam is also dealing with the 19. They don't have space to isolate the crew that's aboard because you want to separate them on the carrier. And so the United States Navy has been trying to figure this out, and at the same time, the 19 continues to grow on that ship. The captain, what he did is, and he'll probably lose his job for it, he wrote a four-page letter. He knew that this letter would be leaked, and I imagine that he's the one that leaked it. And now the USS Navy is ticked off. They are ticked off that he did not keep the business in-house and what are you doing telling the world about this? Because it looks like we aren't in control here. And if the world out there knows that, hey, the Theodore Roosevelt is struggling right now, uh, it would be a great time to maybe plan some type of attack on the Theodore Roosevelt or an attack somewhere around the world where the Theodore Roosevelt and other ships and nuclear subs couldn't respond. He's in trouble tonight. He was going to be an admiral. People think he'll be relieved of his duty. There's other people out there that think that he's a hero because it has forced the Navy's hand right now to take care of these men on a ship, and they're trying to come up with a plan as the 19 just flies from bunk to bunk to bunk because it's highly contagious, three times more contagious than the yearly flu. Uh, he felt, Ron, that he had to step forward and do what was best for his crew. He'll probably lose his job for it. What do you say? Should he have kept this in-house? Because at the end of the day, you're more concerned about the national security and what the Theodore Roosevelt represents, or those men and some women that are aboard, are they more important, their lives? Uh, I mean, I, I think that this captain did the right thing. Like, we're, we're in a situation here that's very bizarre in terms of how resources are being allocated. When you look not just at, at the military, but state to state, governor to governor, you know, you have the Florida gets 100% of the medical supplies they asked for, and New York gets questioned on CNN or on Fox News. Of like, I don't really believe there's, they need 30,000 ventilators. So it's like, what? Is it 
what's going on? Like you have to, in, in a place like Captain Brent uh, Cozier, like maybe he's thinking, I need to make a lot of noise here or I'm not going to get any resources. Mm-hmm. Um, if I stay, if I go through the official channels, you can have someone going up in the, all the way to the White House maybe going, I don't know if I believe him. I don't know if I feel like we need to give him, because there's no real criteria that's clear about how this is all being allocated. And so I don't fault him for that. I think if a, a guy that, that's, that can captain the Theodore Roosevelt is probably not going to, he's going to have a lot of friends in high places. If he loses his job, I think that he will be ultimately hireable, but also probably a book deal coming out of this thing eventually. But those 5,000 men and women that are on that vessel right now, I think you take care of them. And we need to treat this thing like a war. Like you have an enemy that's on that ship. Yeah. Let me ask you about a different gentleman, more closer to home. And I think it's been picked up now in the Seattle Times, the USA Today. Uh, People are reading this online. I saw a story in the Bellingham uh, Herald. And it's about Dr. Ming Lin. And Dr. Ming Lin went out to his social channels and he said, you know what? Uh, at our hospital up here in Bellingham, I was actually at that hospital last night. And we'll tell you more about that here in a minute. He said, we don't have the supplies we need. Uh, we don't have the masks. We don't have the 95s. We don't have the gowns. Uh, we are in a small town and any of the resources that are coming uh, are going to Seattle and they're not coming here. And so he felt like he was a lone voice in the wilderness. Uh, The hospital administrators, they went to him and they said, hey, you need to take that down. The reason I, and I can see their side of it. The reason why they would want him to take this down, and I'm 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 just trying to look at it through their lens and their perspective, is you don't want to create panic in the community. Same thing with the Roosevelt, right? You let the world know that, uh, that the USS Roosevelt is in trouble and they can't even field a crew that can keep that nuclear power plant on that aircraft carrier going. Same thing here. Uh, You have to be really careful about planning doubt and anxiety and insecurity in the community. And I think what he felt like, he said, you know what? We're past that point. We need gear. The public wants to help us. So I'm not going to take those comments down on my social media channels. As a result of that, Ron, he was fired. Yeah, I think that's a little heavy-handed. Um, I think that there are people in Bellingham that could have supplies and help out with supplies. We've seen the, everything from what you and I did this week to you did solo last night. There's articles popping up everywhere of makers around that might have a 3D printer that are printing masks. You have people fashioning masks out of other materials, uh, people that for whatever reason had some PPE, personal protective equipment, uh, whether they worked at uh, like a paint shop uh, where they were paying, painting auto cars or, you know, stuff like that. You might have a lot of masks. You might have protective gear. And so, you know, there may be a lot of people in Bellingham that they could rally and have thousands of pieces of protective gear. So I, I don't fault him for doing that. I think that uh, it seems heavy-handed to me, especially in light of the fact that every hospital appears to be on the verge of getting overwhelmed. Why would you take a qualified medical professional that cares deeply about his community and disallow him from helping in the community? Like that just seems like an administrator that had a bit of an ego, in my opinion, this is my opinion. I don't know all the details or the people inside there, but of saying, hey, uh, you know, if you're not going to toe the line exactly as I say it, then you're going to be gone. If you're a doctor, 
you clearly are smart. You're clearly capable. He clearly did this. It doesn't sound like he did it in a reckless manner. Uh, he did it out of a, a good motivation. It wasn't about look at me. It's about look at the, the patients, look at the need. Yeah. So well, what about you? Well, you know what? I, I'm friends with a, with a state trooper that's up in Bellingham. And he, had, he knows that doctor. And he had seen those posts. And he told me about it. And it's one of the reasons why we went and built mass and we took him up there last night. And it's on the front page of the Bellingham Herald. Uh, Q13 is doing a story about it. And we're going to talk about it a little bit later. All right. So whether you think these guys are heroes or not, I think you have to look at both sides. You have to see that side of the U.S. military saying, hey, even when we're not strong, we need to appear strong to the rest of the world, and we need to keep things in-house. I understand that. I also understand that captain going, I'm going to write a four-page letter. It's going to get leaked. I'm going to save my men's life. I'm going to save lives as a result of that, but I'm also going to lose my job. And I think for Dr. Ming Lin right now, uh, I know a lot of healthcare workers that live in Seattle, and New York is on the phone, and they are calling, they are calling, and they are calling because it is quite a disaster area right now in New York City, where I think I believe now, what are we approaching? Over 3,000 people now uh, have passed from the 19th. We come back. Uh, let's talk about this. Uh, wearing masks, it's something that we see healthcare workers do, first responders, second responders, and we're beginning to see that in public. Uh, the White House tonight is talking about and trying to figure out, because we see this in other cultures, should we all be wearing masks for the next couple months? Uh, let's talk about that next. And then also, if you want a job, we got one for you. It's the Ron and Don Show. That's straight ahead only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Hey, Ron and Don here for Les Schwab, and they sent us this message. The safety of the customers of Les Schwab and its employees is a top priority. We're committed to staying open to provide necessary services to our customers, particularly those who we all rely on for essential services and who cannot self-isolate as long as we can and as long as it aligns with guidance from local health officials. We're taking serious steps to help protect the health of our customers, employees, and communities. Based on guidance from the CDC and the World Health Organization, we increased our cleaning and disinfecting efforts in every store and have temporarily shut down our popcorn machines in coffee service as an extra precaution. Anyone who's had an unexpected flat tire, brake trouble, or a dead battery knows why our customers depend on us to help ensure their vehicle is safe and reliable, even during these unusual times. We want to thank our store employees who remain dedicated to helping our community get where they need to go. For those of you who have to keep moving in order to support our communities or to get the support they need, we're committed to staying open as long as we can and as long as it aligns with the guidance from local health officials. Like so many other businesses, we're continually monitoring the situation and evaluating how best to support and protect our employees and communities. All right, you guys, it's episode number 85 of the Ron and Don Show. And thank you so much for stopping by. Ron, for people that want to get signed up for the newsletter, uh, how can they do it? Yeah, let's go to ronanddon.com. You'll see the radio microphone. Click on that. You can get uh, signed up right at the top of the newsletter, and we send that out every single week. Yeah. Uh, the president, and I don't want to get too political here, but I think uh, we have to address this because it affects all of us, initially said when it came to kind of this self-imposed quarantine or sheltering in place or, or just saying six feet apart, he said, you know, a couple of weeks, we should be fine, and by Easter, uh, we should have, uh, we should be on the other side of this, and we should have flattened the curve. 
now in the last 24 hours has come out and said, you know, on Easter, uh, there'll be a lot more people that have passed away. They're talking about 100,000 to 200,000 Americans uh, and millions of people infected with 19. Uh, they're saying in New York City right now that probably half the population of New York City uh, will be infected with the 19. What's really interesting to me is if you have a chance to listen to the gentleman, in fact, he just, uh, sat, uh, he just sat on a panel and was talking to congressmen and congresswomen. He is the chairman of the CDC, and for whatever reason, he has not been given a microphone or given a voice, uh, as President Donald Trump has chosen uh, to use other people. Uh, in fact, the woman, uh, I believe it's uh, Barbara Finks, she's an AIDS expert. She's not, she's not necessarily uh, an expert when it comes to the COVID-19 or this type of pandemic. So it seems like we're getting mixed signals. Uh, the president now saying it's going to be another month. Uh, the gentleman from the CDC, after hearing him speak, it sounds like it's going to be a couple of months. They believe that this kind of virus uh, will pause through the course of the summer as it gets warmer. And then they believe it's going to come charging back in the fall. And hopefully it's given us enough time to prepare as a population. They're talking about all of us wearing masks now. Uh, Ron, what is your thought? You had a mask on the other day when we traveled together. Uh, when you're going out in public, are you wearing a mask? And what, what is your thought on masks? And why did you have yours on the other day? Well, I mean, the other day I had it on because we're in a hospital. So that just seemed courteous and the most safe route. I, I had to go get a, a prescription filled today at Walgreens. And I wore a mask when I was in there. Uh, with the assumption being that... Uh, you know, you're around people that also could be picking up prescriptions that might be have a, a compromised immune system. I don't think I, I have COVID, but as we've heard, you can be asymptomatic and be a carrier. So on the outside chance that I did, I wanted to protect myself. I saw a really interesting uh, graph, and I don't want to conflate causality with cor correlation, but it, it was the, the societies that have the most uh, mask wearing just as a cultural norm versus uh, their infection rate of COVID-19. So what we're, they're talking about places like Japan. Japan has the highest mask rate just culturally, even before this. So if you're in Japan and you're just walking around the mall, you see a lot of people wearing a mask. Uh, you go into the subway system, especially during rush hour, most people have a mask on. Probably 80 to 90% of people wear a mask. And, and I've, I've seen that with my own two eyes. You go to China, you go to Korea, uh, you go to a lot of Asian countries, they just are in the habit of wearing masks uh, because they're so densely populated. Those countries seem to have the least amount of infections. Now, you can't, I don't think you can draw a straight line from masks to that stat because China obviously had much more latitude in the way that they responded than the United States does just mm -hmm. for, you know, political reasons. Same with, uh, you know, other countries just are different than, than the United States. And so uh, I don't think you can make a one-to-one -one correlation on that. It is interesting, though, that if this is a virus that is spread uh, when someone sneezes, that if everybody had a mask on, would that, it seems logical to me, I'm not a doctor, but does that seem logical to you as well, that it would diminish the spread? 
Yeah, I heard the again the chairman of the CDC talk about this, and you make great points. He said, and we keep hearing the word of symptomatic. He said twenty five. It's about twenty five percent of people that uh, are carrying COVID nineteen. Uh, they'll never know that they're carrying it. He said other folks though, by the time the symptoms show themselves and you decide to shelter in place, let's say, and push away from other people, you have been asymptomatic for, and and also the most contagious, 48 hours before symptoms start to reveal themselves. So what's happening is, is symptoms are revealing themselves. People have already passed on the COVID-19, even though you're sheltering in place or you're at the hospital, you're standing six feet apart, whatever it is. Uh, when you were feeling great is when you were the most contagious for those first 48 hours uh, before you pass that along. So let's do this. We come back. Uh, there's an article in the Bellingham uh, Herald tonight about the hospital that we just talked about uh, where Dr. Ming Lin used to work. And he said, hey, we could use some help and we need masks. He was fired as a result of that, we think. And there could be other things. We don't know. Well, on the front page of the Herald tonight, you will see uh, I connected with a state trooper friend of mine up there, and we are standing with some of the doctors and nurses from that particular hospital as we dropped off some homemade masks last night, and they were so welcomed at this hospital and so nice and so kind. We also went out to Monroe, uh, and we'll tell you a story about Josh and his 74-year-old mother who's been a nurse out there for the last 30 years. We took some masks out there. And then also, uh, the folks that are making these masks, Q13 has done a really cool story about them tonight. And we want to share with you more about the Refugee Artesian Initiative. All right? He's Ron. I'm Don. It's episode 85, all brought to you by our good friends at Les Schwab and LesSchwab.com. Les Schwab, let's say it together. Doing the right thing, you know it matters. Hey, you guys, now a word from Les Schwab. Uh, Right now, quote, we're taking serious steps to help protect the health of our customers, our employees, and our communities. Based on guidance from the CDC and the World Health Organization, we have increased our cleaning and disinfecting efforts in every store. And we have temporarily shut down our popcorn machines and coffee service as an extra precaution. For those who have to keep moving in order to support our communities or to get the support that they need, we are committed to staying open as long as we can and as long as it aligns with the guidance from local health officials, like so many. There's so many businesses. We continually are monitoring the situation and we're evaluating how best to support and protect our employees and our communities. So don't forget, you guys. Les Schwab, they've been in the community for a long time, since 1952, and I can tell you, in being one of their spokesmen for the last 12 years, this is where Les Schwab really leans in, and they really help. So if you're listening to this, and you're out in a delivery truck right now, or if you're out in a semi, an 18, whatever it is, there is a Les Schwab near you, so make sure you pick up the phone, you give them a call, or find one just right on your smart device at leschwab.com. That's leschwab.com. Doing the right thing. You know it matters. All right, you guys. Thanks for listening to episode 85. We really appreciate that. Don't forget, thanks to Les Schwab. They heard your plea. Now you have three. Three episodes of the Ron Don Show. It drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And we appreciate everybody that is listening is now the Ron and Don Show more popular on a podcast 
And we were pretty popular on terrestrial radio. So we're very, very thankful for you in this connection that we have uh, with the Pacific Northwest and really thankful to Les Schwab uh, for sponsoring today's show. Let's talk about this. Uh, there has been policies. Uh, in fact, I, I challenge one of these policies at a local hospital. Uh, there have been policies in place uh, that have been in place for years and decades, I imagine. Uh, you and I aren't allowed to just pull up to emergency room door and start dumping off supplies. Uh, you're not allowed to do that. And Ron, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense because uh, you never know what you're going to get. And another man's junk is another man's treasure. And we've seen this happen before when we're raising money. Let's say there's a, a, a fire that happened that went through a building and people lost all their furniture. And so we'll invite people to donate clothes or whatever. And sometimes about 80% of the stuff that you get is usually new and pretty cool. And then 20% of the stuff, you're just like, what were these people uh, thinking, right? So anyway, these policies are set in place throughout the Pacific Northwest and for good reasons. Same time, you have healthcare workers that are inside hospitals. And we heard from one in Kaiser uh, a week ago. And she said, you know what? I'm going to put myself out there and I'm just going to say we are down to 90. We are down to about 195 masks. Those are the masks that everybody wants. And for a lot of our supporting staff, they're beginning to wear their own masks, which, which aren't 95s, they're PPEs, uh, but they're beginning to make their own masks. And so here they are, and they're working really hard all day, and they're fighting COVID-19. And the next thing you know, they have to go home now and sew their own masks. So Christy Peterson, a good friend of mine who works with the Seattle Models Guild and the Fred Nordstrom Foundation, she introduced me to a woman named Ming Ming. And Ron Mingming, she runs a pretty incredible, incredible organization that helps refugees, right? Yeah, it's a, the Seattle Refugee Initiative where they, it's, it's women that have uh, come to America and needed some skills. And so this charity has taught them how to sew and then how to make jewelry and typically, you'll see their wares in a place like Metropolitan Market, let's say, when you go to the kitchen section. You'll see those table runners and tote bags and really great stuff that was hand-sewn by these local artists. And she said, because she has ties to the medical community, can I commandeer all of these women, some from Afghanistan, from Iran, uh, from, I don't remember all the, the women on the wall, but they were from all over the world. Uh, she said, can I commandeer these ladies and ask them to make masks? And so they drew up some patterns, they got some fabric, and they uh, started making masks. And I, I just have a, a memory, because Ming Ming just texted me a few minutes ago, if anybody has a spool of the one-eighth inch elastic banding, uh, if you're a, a seamstress, if you know somebody that, that, that sewed a lot, just the standard issue white elastic banding that's a quarter of an inch or an eighth of an inch, they have run out of that. It's the hottest commodity they have right now. She asked me if I could give a shout-out on the Ron and Don show. If you can donate that, if you have a spool of that uh, in your sewing kit, you can help make masks because right now they are running out. They have more masks with no way to attach them to people's ears. 
So they need this elastic banding. Uh, and she literally has these women, some of whom their only paycheck they've ever got as an American was from this uh, organization that they work with. They are sewing sun up to sundown these masks. And it's interesting when you get a package of them, like we did, that a lot of this fabric would have been made into clothing or made into bedding or made into tote bags. And so you'll pull out a specific mask and it'll be pink polka dots. And then you'll pull out a different mask and it'll have uh, the Seattle Seahawks fabric in there. You put a different mask and it'll be, you know, blue and green stripes or red, like all sorts of patterns and flowers. And okay, it's, it's in that way, it's very charming, I thought to see the handiwork of all these women who it's like, well, this would have made a beautiful tote bag and now it's a mask. Yeah. Well, it took them a week and she said they're going to make a thousand to 1200 masks and they did it. Uh, our first stop run, you and I went together and we met the staff at Kaiser a week before that we wouldn't have been able to do that because they have the same policy that they had up in Bellingham. And it's a good policy that you can't just drop stuff off. Uh, there's a lot of hospitals tonight, including the University of Washington. If you go online and you look at the Valley Main Campus, for instance, down in Talbot, and that's down in Renton, they have now uh, said, we desperately need your help. Um, when we went out to Kaiser, they allowed us in the front doors. When Josh reached out and said, hey, my mom, they need masks out of Monroe. They're part of the Evergreen system. And everything is being funneled right now to Evergreen in Seattle, and we're getting nothing out in Monroe. They need masks. They're down to zero masks. Uh, and so I went with Josh last night, and I said, you know what? You go be Santa Claus. You take these masks inside and uh, hand them off to your mom. She's 74 and on the front lines, which is really incredible when you think about her age and what she's doing. She's been out there for 30 years. And the, then my friend Anthony, who's a, a trooper, uh, with State Patrol, he reached out to me and said, hey, up here in Bellingham, they need masks too. So we drove up there last night and we dropped off 200 more masks. And that'll be one of the stories you see, I think, tonight on Q13. And it's also in the Bellingham Herald. All this to say that a lot of hospitals now have changed their policy. Uh, and in fact, let me give you an example here. Uh, this is from... This is from the University of Washington, uh, and this is from the Medical Center. It says this. The, 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 think how different this is, you guys, because this is going to give you an opportunity to help if you want to. It said the COVID-19 global pandemic has caused major disruption to the supply chain. This is from the University of Washington. With the expected surge in patients here over the coming weeks, we're asking for the community's help. We need folks who can sew. Those who have critical supplies tucked away in their garages, those that could be used for healthcare, and those who may have untapped connections with suppliers. Below is a list of items that we need dropped off. We need masks, the N95 mask. We need the ear loop masks. We also need homemade masks. Then what they do is they show you how you can go online, either with YouTube or uh, they give you a couple different links, they show you how you can make a mask with a diaper. The University of Washington, the Valley Medical Center, 
that two weeks ago, you wouldn't have been able to stop by and drop off a 95 mask because it would have to come from a fire department or it have to come from a police department. They are now asking people to make masks out of diapers and to drop them off. That's where this is at. A friend of mine reached out down south. She said, what can I do? I said, can you sew? She said, no. I said, can anyone in your family sew? She said, yeah, my grandma uh, could sew. My mom can sew. She sat in the living room last night with her mother and her grandmother. uh, And they're all uh, sheltering in place together. She learned to sew from her mother and her grandmother. And last night, they made 18 masks. And they're going to drop them off at the Valley Medical Center. They need gloves of all sizes. Uh, They need CAPR face shields. Uh, They need full face shields. They need eye shields. They need goggles. They need zip-up overalls. All the hospitals I've gone to, you see tents out in the parking lot. They're getting ready for what's coming. So if you're looking for a job, even if you don't know how to sew, maybe your mom does, maybe your grandma does, maybe you can sit together for the next couple of weeks and, uh, and we can make some masks. So I encourage you to go online, the University of Washington, the Valley Medical Center, be a part of something bigger than yourself and reach out to local hospitals. And chances are, instead of going through a fire department or a police department, and I was actually escorted last night by the state patrol, and uh, you can. Uh, actually stop by. Uh, you don't even have to go in the hospital. They'll meet you by the back door and you can drop those items off. Ron, what is your reaction to the University of Washington saying, hey, we need everyone to help. And if we have to put diapers on our face, we are willing to do that. If you'll make us diaper masks, we are on the front lines. We will take anything right now. That's incredible. It is incredible. I think it, to, to me, it just illustrates how much we take for granted the incredible complexities of the world economy. Because it, when we have the world at our fingertips on our phone and we just get used to dialing up any show we want on Netflix, we forget that, that somebody has to make these things. And usually it's in a factory somewhere and we give it very little thought. And so when a pandemic starts in China and they shut down all the factories and so there's no product to load on a ship that gets unloaded in the port of Seattle and then shipped out by a truck driver and loaded onto a forklift and a pallet, when all of those things break down, this is where we are. And so for me, it's given me an appreciation for... When I go out onto Amazon.com and just mindlessly say, oh, I want to buy some of that, that that somebody made that, someone designed it, and someone picked it up, and someone shrink-wrapped it, and someone brought it uh, to my store or to my little address, and we shouldn't take that for granted. Like Our world is intrinsically tied together way more than we like to give it credit for, and people in China that work in those factories can directly impact a hospital in Bellingham, Washington. Yeah. So all that to say, that's not to scare you. That's to energize you. And it's also to make us just also appreciative for the healthcare workers that are laying out on the line. And then they have to go home to their families and worry about whether they're passing something off to their son or their daughter. 
I can't imagine the anxiety of going to work, not having the proper equipment, and then going home and wondering if you're infecting your child or your husband or your partner or your wife, whatever that is. Um, so we got to show them a lot of love. With all the masks that we're delivering, we're delivering notes of encouragement too. So with that said, if you can sew, start sewing. If you have an area hospital, chances are uh, they are going to accept whatever you got. If you look through the garage, you might find a 95 mask or you might find some goggles or you might find that spool of, um, what were you saying, Ron? It's elastic. Is that right? Eighth inch or quarter inch elastic banding. It's usually white. Uh, it comes in a spool. We need, we need that stuff. Ning Ning needs it immediately right now. So if you have some, let us know. Yeah. And she just got an order from the university of Washington, the Valley medical center in Renton for a thousand face shields, a thousand face shields. She's ordered, uh, she's, and I believe that she's using her own money to do that because they spent all the money that we've raised. Um, they're just going to make those thousand face masks and we're going to get together and we're going to go deliver those. If you want to be a part of that, either dropping something off or making something or financially contributing, go to Ron's Facebook page, Ron Upshaw. You'll see the link. Uh, or you can go to my page, uh, Don O'Neill on Facebook, and you'll see the link. You can click on that to help. And uh, you can help a whole lot of people right now. Ron, any kind of final thoughts here on episode 85? Yeah, I mean, we need to be safe. We need to be vigilant. As time goes on, all of us are going to get a little stir crazy. You're going to want to go out and go, ah, I'm just going to do it this one time. That's what happened. Like, I'm just going to do the one thing. We're just going to get together with our friends for this one drink. Or just going to, you know, that's when you can see another flare up. So we need to have some discipline. Uh, we need to um, just pay attention, practice all the basics day in and day out. And then if you can be a part, be a part. Yeah. Thanks so much, you guys, for tuning in to episode 85. Uh, thanks for supporting uh, the Ron and Don Show. Check out Ming Ming uh, and her whole staff on Q13 tonight with David Rose and Olivia Wilde uh, reached out to us. And our thanks to Trooper uh anthony reese a young trooper up in bellingham uh that saw a need at the local hospital and uh he was waiting last night to help take those masks in and and i tell you what when you hand those off to healthcare workers they are so appreciative not only for the gear but for the fact that there's people out there thinking about them and if nothing else you can write letters to healthcare workers and you can write letters to people right now um all over the place, first responders that could use your help, all right? He's Ron, I'm done. You keep your head up. You keep your shoulders back, and we'll see you next time for episode number 86 of the Ron and Don Show. Everything is up right now at ronanddon.com. We are live from the Les Schwab Studios.